Hi, I'm Onyx Singhal, CEO of Learn, and you're tuning into Soul Rich Woman Show with Janisha Alura for women who love the F word, being fabulous, having freedom, financial independence, and family alone. We are strong together. We are unstoppable. A strong and independent woman is something to behold. She pays her own bills, buys her own things, and she doesn't let a man affect her stability or self-confidence. She is a soul rich woman. Are you ready to be rich doing what you love? Be on purpose and in control of your life again. At For Women Who Love the F Word podcast, we will be openly talking about getting more clients online, getting recognition as the leader and female entrepreneur, and also the F Word, being fabulous, having freedom and financial independence. It's time to own and love the F Word. Welcome to the show. Hello and a very good day to you. Welcome to the Soul Rich Woman Show for women who love the F word, being fabulous, having freedom, financial independence and family. Alone, you are strong. Together, we are unstoppable. Hi, my name is Janisha Laura. Today, we are on another episode and I have a really super amazing guest today. He is a superman, I will call him, and he's done so much, so much in his life. And at the place that he's at, you know, I met him at a Success in Resources event and you know, it was so good to see an entrepreneur really inspiring lives, one million lives around the world. And he's so focused on so many different topics like copywriting, webinars, and, and things like that. And I just felt that tug in my heart that I got to bring him on the show and share with you all what you guys need to do, what you girls need to do for your business to transform your business and your life. And today is the psychology of webinars. And of course, bring on Anik Singhal. Hello, Anik. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So just want to say thank you very much for being on the show. And, you know, you've done so much in your life. And I read a bio. I've looked at your stuff. I'm like, mind-blowing, you know. How do you even cope running so many different, like you say, you being principal in so many different companies and then running Learn at the same time and with a team of more than 60 of employees? You know, it's um, it's because of that very team that I'm able to cope with it. So honestly, I am very blessed. I'm surrounded by amazing people. And that's probably the one area where I've studied the most, especially over the last one year, is how do you bring on just amazing people that can really indoctrinate into your mission, into your vision and what you're looking to do and get inspired by it. So every day right now, we are constantly looking for A players, people that are just ready to grow, ready to learn more things. And thanks to them, they make my life easier. So they make me look good. They make our businesses look good. And I couldn't do it without them. Yeah, so let's just go a quick backstory. I mean, how do you even get started? Do you see yourself coming fast far when you first you know, began that baby step? <laughs> you know, it's my story is funny because I... I think there was an entrepreneur. Well, I know there was an entrepreneur inside me ever since I was a little child, but no one in my family is an entrepreneur. Um, the closest thing to an entrepreneur my family had was my grandfather, who I barely, barely, barely knew. Uh, he passed away when I was very young, but he was known to be a huge entrepreneur in India. So a lot of people joke that I got his blood, but um, I, I was going to be a doctor. That's what I thought I wanted to be. That's what I thought is the right path for me. I studied hard and I got good grades and I got into a great program and university. And it was one week into the university, I opened my eyes, Janisha, and I was like, I can't do this. I'm in the wrong place. And I know that many people listening right now have probably had that moment where you open your eyes and think, where am I? This is not the life I dreamt of. This is not me. I'm in the wrong place. I had that Thankfully, I'm surrounded again by amazing people. My parents are amazing. My friends were amazing. They, they really supported me through that and they didn't let me, and I didn't let myself accept that. Too many people in the world, they know they're in the wrong place. They feel it and they accept it. They just let it be. And then it's too late, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. It's harder to fix it. So for me, that was my first thing was that first feeling when I was still first year of university. After that, 
you start the journey, right? If you know that you're in the wrong place or something doesn't feel right, then the question you naturally ask is, well, what is right? What do I want? What am I looking for? And that was when I, I started my journey and, and I didn't find it right away. You know, I, I quit going to pre-med. So I left that track. Then I went to study business because I thought, okay, I, I, I want to study business. So I started studying finance and I hated it. I didn't like that either. And now I'm starting to get a little worried because what's going to happen? I don't like anything. And that was when I turned to the internet and I started realizing that I was tired of just learning. You know, I was tired of theory. You sit in class, you learn theory, 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 theory. You take tests on theory. I wanted to do, I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to start trying things. So I turned to Google and I typed in how to make money. That's literally what I typed in. And Google auto-filled for me. This is 16, 17 years ago. Google auto-filled for me. They said online. So I, I, all I did is I typed in how to make money. And they typed in online. I said, okay, sure. And that was where that journey began. I started researching. But again, for those listening, then began 18 months of failure. I failed again and again and again for 18 months. I don't even really like to call it failure because it was because of everything I learned during those 18 months that I am where I am today. So let's just say trial and error is probably a better term. Um, but it did take me 18 months before I started to finally make some substantial money. And after that, I you know started doing very well, um, started really figuring out how to drive traffic, how to convert, copywriting really helped me. But even then, my challenges weren't over. Then, you know, uh, six years after that, I was making millions. I was doing great, traveling the world, speaking on stages. I was in Singapore, Malaysia all the time. And then my business collapsed. Everything around me collapsed. I fell $1.7 million in debt. Um, so even though I was flying high, I fell. So I think every entrepreneur has that moment. And uh, I did recover. It was a tough recovery. But 16 months later, I was back on top. So my journey has been typical a, tip, a typical journey of an entrepreneur, but it's been a constant journey of discovery. And I'm still on that journey till this very day. Every day I'm learning new things about myself. I like it that you said that you have, you know, been there, done that, and really gone through that, you know, kind of stuck and then overcoming. And it sounds really inspiring. I'm so curious. Like when you talk about copywriting and webinars, you know, when I was asking you what kind of topics do you talk about, I mean, how do you know that were topics and things that you're really passionate about and things that like spark your heart? Yeah. You know, if you want to know what you're passionate about and things that spark your heart, all you need to do is watch yourself. Just look at yourself from a bird's eye view and track what you find yourself researching. Um, so how did I, I love webinars and I love actually even one level above webinars. Let's go one level above. I love copywriting. We'll go one level, even above copywriting. I love like buyer psychology, consumer psychology. What makes a brain tick? How does someone make a buying decision? Actually go one level, even above that. My favorite class, the only class I used to look forward to in college when I was still in the pre-medical program was psychology. Even though it wasn't consumer psychology, it was just psychology. But I found myself reading my textbook for psychology, even I was reading parts that weren't even due, that parts weren't even necessary. So my first year in psychology class, we were only supposed to have gotten through about half of the textbook, but I ended up reading the whole textbook. Now, who, do, who reads a textbook? Like, why, why would anyone do that? That sounds insane, but I was enjoying the material. So even today, if there's a topic that I find myself researching, watching YouTube videos on, going deeper in, and even more so calling friends and people that I know saying, hey, can you explain to me this? Can you help me with this? Can you answer this question? Nine times out of 10, that's showing that I have an interest in that subject. And I'm actually going out seeking it. So anyone who's listening right now, I would ask you this, which podcast do you listen to? What topics do they talk about? Which YouTube channels do you follow? Who, what, what, what kind of friends do you carry? What kind of books do you read? Where do you spend your time, your free time? What kinds of things are you listening to, researching that you're not doing for a reason? You're not doing it for your job. You're not doing it because your husband or your, your kids or someone asked you to. or You're doing it because you want to. It's something you're doing with your time. That's where the passion is. So now if you go down, why do I love webinars so much? because they made a big impact on my business. They made a big impact on my life and they've helped me get my message out. And it's just been a really powerful tool. And I find myself, believe it or not, on my free time researching webinars. I actually watch people's webinars. So I take the top marketers out there 
and I record their webinars and I watch them to learn from them. Now, that's something you're doing at two in the morning on a Saturday night, you know you have a passion for it. And so that's how I know with topics like webinars and copywriting and funnels. I just love I love these things because they they intellectually really um, challenge me. You know, to me, it sounds really geek. Okay. I mean, even though I love webinars, but I think you nail it to the T. And I'm just very curious because now that COVID has happened, everybody has gone online. We are seeing an overflowing of webinars after webinars after webinars. And some webinars are really so boring. You're just like reading off the slides and they're doing stuff that I'm like, okay, you gotta you gotta change up your strategy. So what is that psychology or mindset? to a person that you tell them, hey, you got to change up your mindset to run webinars. How would you tell them? Okay. So the psychology of webinars goes, again, you got to go one level higher, one level higher, one level higher. It's not webinars. It's not copywriting. It's communication. So communication it, with another human being, it doesn't matter what mechanism you're using. You could be doing a podcast. You could be doing a webinar. You could be doing a sales video. You could be on one-on-one -on, -one on the phone. You could be on stage talking to them. Humans receive information the same way, and they perceive it and process it the same way. And there are certain things that they want. So if I were to give you an example, if you saw me 20, 25 years ago, let's say I walked into a room and there's a you know, few hundred people in the room and I don't know anybody in the room. 20, 25 years ago, I would be very uncomfortable. Okay, let's fast forward to today. I would be very uncomfortable. I'm still quite the introvert. I don't like talking to people. I don't like mingling with people. And that usually shocks people because I do video all the time. But hey, video is just me and the camera. If you put me in front of a lot of people, I love speaking. But then when people come to talk to me, I get very reserved. So it's, I, it's uncomfortable for me to be in front of people. Okay, now 25 years ago, I would have sat in the corner quiet because I don't know how to engage with people. But today, if you ever put me in a room, I give you 10 minutes max before I have an audience of people around me. Why? Because when I start to talk to people, I'm using a very simple psychological formula to communicate with them, which is basically leaning into what they want, what the human mind is looking for. So let's go through that. Most of the webinars that you, th that you said yourself, they're boring, they're reading a script. It's because they're talking about themselves. It's because they're on the webinar and they're talking about the things they've done and how great they are and all the things they've won and all the awards they have. On top of that, they probably haven't learned how to present. So they're not really that charismatic. They're not using tone and all of those things properly. But the first rule I ever teach my students about copywriting is a little bit of a, you know, it kind of sounds rude. I don't mean for it to, but I want it to make an impact. I want people to always remember it. And that is, ready? Nobody cares about you. <laughs> The person listening to your message, your podcast, your webinar, your sales video, they don't care about you. They're not there because they woke up in the morning saying, gosh, I really want to go listen to this person talk about themselves. No, every day, every waking moment, they are about themselves. It's okay. It's fine. We all have to take care of ourselves first. So your message has to be you-centric, right, mm -hmm. about the person who's listening. So I apply a very simple five-step formula. This is how all communication goes. If I want to convince my wife to let me do something, I'm going to apply this five-step formula. If I want to, you know, you want to talk to your kids, you want to convince them to clean your to clean their rooms, this is the five-step formula to use. It's, it's not just for webinars. It's not just for sales letters. Number one is introduction, okay? So let's talk about a webinar. I've seen so many introductions that start this way. Oh, by the way, when I give you the word, it's not going to sound like it's that. You're going to be like, really? Introduction? You know, <laughs> nice, Onik. Big whoop. You're not doing it right, though. Most people aren't teaching it right. So what's the purpose? We're going to always ask, what's the purpose of that step? So what's the purpose of introduction? Most people do introductions like this. They'll say, hi, my name is Onyx Singhal. I've sold over $250 million worth of products online. I've been around for 17 years. I've used webinars to do that. And I'm here to teach you how to do the same. And so I started my whole presentation introducing myself. That's what people think. Introduce myself. But that's not what it's about at all. Because again, cardinal rule, nobody cares about you. So my introduction would rather be something like this. I have a five-step formula that will allow you to triple your business and increase your conversions within the next three hours. If you give me your attention, you're going to walk away with a five-step checklist. Let's get into it. So right off the bat, what's in it for them? Now, another rule, 
not what's in it for them to buy your product that you're going to sell at the end of the webinar. Uh uh, uh. What's in it for them to stay for the presentation that you're giving? We'll sell later. Now we just have to convince them to stay. It's another big thing people miss out on. So even when I'm doing a podcast, you know, I'm not going to jump the gun to the end of the podcast and talk about the things that I'm promoting if I'm promoting anything. No, I say, welcome to the podcast. Today's podcast, you're going to learn blah, 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 blah. So that I've given the open loop, right? I've created, you know, a reason for them to stay the whole time. So this is fundamental to pretty much anything. Let's say I'm at a party and I'm at the food table picking up finger food and there's someone next to me in front of me and I want to strike up a conversation. Sure, I'll say, hey, how are you? My name is Anik. But very quickly, as soon as I can, I'm going to try to notice something about them. Maybe they've got a certain badge on. Maybe they're wearing a shirt that has a certain slogan. Maybe they're wearing a certain brand. Maybe something that I can use to connect and ask them a question about themselves, not me. I'll say, oh, I, I see you're uh, you know, wearing blah, blah, blah. Do you work at such and such company? And they'll say, yeah. Like, oh, wow. I That's amazing. You know, Tell me a little bit about that. Do you see how the conversation is about them right from the get-go? And that person's going to be roped in. Now, let's move to the second part of this psychological formula, this flow of communication. The second part is story. We love stories. People love stories. It's the easiest way to encap you know encapsulate someone's attention. Just think when you're um, when you know children. What do children love? They love stories. It's the only thing that can get them to calm down from freaking out and running around like crazy. You tell them a story. But again, whose story? You can tell them your story. So I always ask a very simple question, and so I'll tell people this. I'll say. Um, the purpose. What's the purpose of story? So many people will tell me, oh, of course, it's credibility. So I'm going to say um, that uh, my story is, you know, I'm so-and-so. I've won this award. I've won that award. I've done this. I've done that. And again, it's you, 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 you. So I always use this as an extreme example. I teach copywriting. It's one of my passions. So let's say you were watching a presentation and I started as follows. None of this is true. I'm making it up. But let's just say I started this way. I said, I have a PhD from Harvard in writing. I'm a three times, three time New York Times bestselling author. I've won four Pulitzer Prizes. I'm a world class poet. And I'm here to tell you that writing is easy. You can do writing, you can do copywriting just as easily as I can. The first thing the other person thinks is, what? I don't have a PhD from Harvard. I don't have three New York Times bestselling books. I'm not you. I can't do that. So the purpose of story is not credibility, the purpose of story is the opposite. It's relatability. So I'm going to come on. And one of the first things I did when you asked me, hey, tell me about your story. How did you get started? I talked about the struggle. I talked about the feeling of being lost. I talked about being in the wrong place. It's all true. But how many people who were listening to that thought, oh, yes, I, I feel that. I understand that. I can connect to that. That makes you connect to me and my chance of getting through to you up higher. So the story is always about the journey to discovering the system that you're about to share with them, not you. Not once upon a time I was born and then I won all these awards and I'm the best thing since sliced bread. That's not the story. So again, now if you think about it, the psychology here is the story that we're telling you're walking someone through like, look, this is all the things I had to do to discover this. So if you want to learn how to do webinars, okay, you can either, I've been doing webinars since 2011. That's nine years of mistakes and heartaches and lots of things I've had to do. So when I tell you about my journey, subconsciously, I'm telling you, look, you have a choice. You can either spend nine years like I did figuring it out in your own, or give me nine hours or nine minutes, you know, or nine days. And I'll show you, but you don't have to say that you can subconsciously send that message by telling the story of discovering your system. So, so far, what we've done now is we've introduced ourselves. We've gotten someone's interest and now we've told them why they should listen to us. That's what the story did. Subconsciously said, this is why I'm important without me saying I'm important. This is why I'm important. Let them decide on their own through the subconscious that they should listen to you. And then we move into the most important part of any conversation, webinar, sales message, dinner talk, doesn't matter. Step three, content. 
Now, most people would say, what's if I asked, what's the purpose of content? Most people would say, well, obviously it's to teach. And I'd say completely incorrect. If you start teaching in a sales presentation, you are not going to sell. You're going to lose. So you don't teach. So what is the purpose of content? Believe it or not, the purpose of content is credibility. So how I said story is not credibility, but the purpose of content is credibility. And I'll give you a prime example. If people listen to us today, right, Janisha, and they, and so someone's listening. And at the end of our interview, I have given them absolutely no value. I have not taught them anything. I've not helped them have any aha moment. What do you think the chance is that they're going to go buy any of my products? None. Zero. So the way I get credibility, I could sit here and say my award, my award, my this, and then I just sound like, like a bragging idiot. <laughs> or I can blow your mind. I can teach you things that make the person say, wow, that Anik, he knows this stuff more than I do. He has credibility. I should give him money. That's what's happening at the deep subconscious. So what I want everyone to know is if you want to have a lasting impact on somebody, help them have three to five aha moments in your presentation and none more and none less. So as you're listening to this podcast, my hope is that by the end of our presentation, I will have given at least three up to five things that you feel, you know what? I can apply that. Wow, that was something I never even thought about that. So you'll go, ah, aha. If I can get you to go, aha, three to five times, you will remember me. You may not buy from me right now, but you will remember me. If I end up at another podcast or someone else's something, you'll say, hey, that guy, I know him. That's Onik. My job is done if that if that is what we can get. So now talk about like a dinner table conversation or someone you meet at that food table you have to provide them with substance and conversation that's relevant to them for them to remember you. Content. Move on to transition. Super simple step. Step four, simple purpose. Here's the thing. Step one, two, and three. If we do a good job with step one, two, and three, what's going to happen is you and I, we become friends. Even though we're not next to each other, you're watching on a webinar, I can't see you, but you're, you feel warm to me. You think, gosh, I like this guy. You know, he's nice, he's genuine, he's upfront, he's teaching good stuff. I'm having aha moments with him. He's my buddy, Onyx, my buddy. And then all of a sudden, your buddy comes along and says, give me money. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what just happened? Why, why is my buddy asking me for money? Why are you selling me things? It's uncomfortable. The, ex the extreme example I always give for this, Janisha, is very simple. Let's say you're, you know, um, your best friend calls you today and says, Janisha, can you meet me at five o'clock at that bar? I want to talk to you. And you say, sure, I'll meet you for happy hour. You walk in, your friend gives you a hug. You sit down and you say, what's up? And your friend says, Janisha, this is my phone. I'll give you 80% off right now. $150, take it or leave it right now. What would you say? She'd be like, <laughs> hey, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you trying to sell me something? This makes no sense. So it's the same thing. If you've done a great job in a presentation, the person's warmed up to you. It can be a little uncomfortable to ask them for money unless you do the purpose of transition, which is answer the why. Why are you asking me for my money? I always give people an example. You walk into the local electronics store because you need to buy a television set. You never get offended that the person comes up and says, that'll be this many dollars. You don't go, oh, you're going to ask me for money for a TV? What's wrong with you? Why would you charge me? Why is that? Because innately you understand hard costs, labor, transportation, manufacturing. But in digital stuff, in coaching, in consulting, and in digital things, people don't have that understanding. So for me, I'm very clear in my transition. I say, here's how I can serve you. This is my amazing team. We have 60 different people. We have a 26,000 square foot learn center. We have the best of the best people over 17 years worth of incredible knowledge. And this is my life. This is how I make my living. This is what I do. So obviously if we want to provide the best service to you as possible, you have to understand we will charge for it. Otherwise we would be out of business and I can't be here to serve you. That's it. And that, and the other person on the other side says, Oh, I get it. That's fair. Like makes perfect sense. So just answer the why real quick. And then we move into step number five. We're going to go for the close. This is the pitch. And this is the most misunderstood step of the five step psychological formula of selling the pitch. Most people would say if I, and I do this all the time, I ask all the time and no one ever gets it right. 
I say, what's the purpose of the pitch? And people will say, to get the sale. I hear it all the time. Get the sale. That's where you get the sale. It is so wrong. You do not get the sale in a pitch. You confirm a sale. Nobody is going to listen to your pitch unless they're already sold. Remember that. The only question on someone's mind, especially on a webinar, if they're still listening to your pitch, you're done teaching. They know that. Why are they still there? It's because they're sold. What's the only question on their mind? How much? That's a buying question, but that's also a value question. So what they're really saying is not how much. They're really asking, how much is this worth to me? What is the value of this to me? So I follow a very simple rule, 10x. If I'm going to ask someone for $1,000, I have to show them 10000 in value. They have to be able to see $10,000 in value. So that's why when you watch infomercials, they say, but wait, there's more. Order now, and we'll double the size of your order to just get the value up, right? Or you're in a webinar, and someone says, I love this. People, you know, people say, bonus one, bonus two, bonus three, bonus four, bonus five. I do it. But it's funny. Why don't I just throw those into the main offer? Why do I have to pull them out and do this, this bonus, 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 bonus? Because I up the value of the offer. Right, I raise the value so that I can confirm the sale. The last step, the pitch, it's actually not a subconscious decision. So many people say that in sales, it's a subconscious decision. It's only 75% true. Yes, the subconscious decides it wants to buy, but it is the conscious mind that actually buys. So the subconscious mind is like asking the conscious mind, please, 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 I want this. But the last person to say yes or no is the conscious mind. And the conscious mind says, is it worth it? So I bought this iPhone here. This was $1,300 or $1,400. This is, it was a little expensive for a phone. I sat there and I did the math and I consciously decided, okay, it's worth it. Given how much I use my phone, I need a phone, I'm going to buy it. But there's so many things that are not in my life that I would love to have, but I decided consciously, not worth the price. And same goes with someone who's listening right now. So that's the flow that we have to deliver information in when we're trying to sell someone something. If you try to skip around or mix them up, you're going to break a natural flow of what how the human mind receives information. So that is why um, you know, and I, and I know I just answered, like I just kept talking for so long, but I wanted everyone to get the whole flow of the five steps. Um, and now I, you know, listen to it again. And next time you're in front of a client or trying to sell someone something, try to apply this even on a one-on-one -on -one environment and you're going to see a massive uptick in your results. But how would it look like for someone in my community who has a B2B business versus a B2C business? Would that closing part would be slightly different and how are we giving value or would we be... Yeah applicable to both uh, businesses. No, almost exactly the same. Yeah. See, remember something when you're doing a B2B, a lot of people think it's different, but it really isn't because who on the other side is making a decision? A human being, right? That business that you're selling to still, there's a human on the side making, and humans all buy based off a relationship. So why do great, you know, great salespeople are usually very charismatic. They're smile. They like to wine and dine and take out. Why? Why does that work? It works because the person they're talking to ends up liking them and they buy their product. So again, how do you get someone to like you? Well, you start by making it all about them. You make sure they know your story. They can relate to you. You provide them value through content. So you give them those aha moments. They feel like every time they're around you, there's value given. And then you make them a deal they can't say no to just make them such a great value offer. So yeah, how much time you spend in each might be a little different. Maybe you do a little bit less story in a B2B versus a B2C. You do a little bit of an extended story. The timing can change, but the flow never changes. Mm, I, I like that. And of course, in in webinars, when we are talking about you know getting ready uh, and to, to get people in, I've seen that, you know, on fa your Facebook, you've got thousands of people attending your webinars. I mean, how do you even do that? <laughs> so that's just brute force. I mean, at the same time, I wish I could, I, I wish I could just tell you <laughs> that. Just yeah, I wish I could say that there's some magical formula. It's just because you're unmixing. <laughs> we just buy traffic. We buy as much traffic as we can eat up. Here's the thing. In the end of the day, if you know your conversions are good, if you... 
so for, for us, right, it's like everyone who shows up on one of our webinars, we make 30, $35 per webinar, like per webinar registration, registration. I, I can't spend enough money. Like I'm, I don't have enough time on Facebook and YouTube because on Facebook and YouTube, I'm getting registrations for 10 bucks, 12 bucks, 13 bucks, 15 bucks max. Like that's when I'm like completely sucking at my ads. My worst case is I'm spending 10 to 15. Typically I'm more like six, seven, eight dollars. And I'm making 30, 35. That's short term too. I'm making 30, 35 in like 30 days. And that doesn't even include my lifetime value. So I just spend, I mean, the amount, my company right now does over $600,000 a month in advertising. And I'm, we're trying, I'm pushing us to get to a million to 2 million because why not? I triple my money. So I will spend a million, I'll spend 10 million, right? So people say, Anik, how do you get 3,000 people on a webinar at one time? I get 15,000 registrations. <laughs> you know, I get 15,000 people to register for the webinar, 3,000, 100% show up. 15,000 registrations cost me $100,000, $100,000, But when I get on the webinar, I make, I don't know, 400, 500, $600,000. So it never, so being a data driven person, that's the other thing is I'm super data driven. I know exact data points on all my funnels and every part of my business. So I'm not afraid to spend money on advertising because I know exactly what it makes me back. But there's three major sources of traffic I use. My email list, which I've built over so long. And so, of course, that helps. Facebook ads, which I love, and YouTube ads, which I, right now, I have a big love affair with YouTube ads. I think they're just absolutely amazing, um, easy to run, um, and just really, really uh, responsive. So for someone who is starting out or, you know, they're just running the webinars right now and not seeing as much traffic as they would like to have. I mean, of course, they don't have $600,000, but definitely they have some kind of budget. My question will be, what budget is a good place to start with? Okay, that's a great question. So with webinars, we'll work backwards. Let's do the data backwards. So in order to have a good webinar where you have a chance at getting a sale, a good number, you know, an, enough of an audience in front of you that you can really practice and test and hopefully walk away with one, two, three sales, let's aim to get about 50 people on. 50 people online and at with 50 people online on live, I think you can easily get two, three, three sales easily. Even if you're not that good, you can get as high as six, seven sales it just depends. So it'd be three sales to six or seven sales. It's a good number when you're just starting to get 50 people on live, you're going to want to aim to get about 200 registrations. Okay. Maybe you'll get a little less than 50. Maybe you'll get a little more than 50 rough math. Let's aim to get 200 registrations. Okay. If you want to get 200 registrations, if you do social media, you post it around this and that you should be able to get, let's say, I'm assuming you don't have a big social media following. I'm assuming you're just starting. So let's say you get 50 by just hustling it and, you know, sending a message around people sharing. So now you need 150 that you need to go to advertising to get. I actually, I know I just said how much I love YouTube, but if you're just beginning, Facebook is better. Uh, multiple reasons we can get into if you want to, but Facebook is, uh, is friendlier to new people. Um, YouTube is amazing, but it takes a little bit of time for them to warm up to you. So you have to have a bigger budget on Facebook, 150, you're going to spend about six, seven, 700 bucks, seven, 700, 800 bucks, maximum thousand dollar budget. And I think you can run a webinar, which will make you back three, 4,000. And then you take that three, 4,000 and you invest it into ads. Now your next webinar has three times the number of people and then you make 10,000 you take that 10,000. That's what I did. People always ask me, how did I get to 600,000 in ads? Do you know my first ad I ever ran where I made my first sale was $20. I ran a $20 ad. I made $50 in sales. I then took 50, put it right back. I didn't take any money out of it, put it right back. I made 70, 70 back. I made 120, 120 back, made 200. Literally that $20 I had invested, it was in March of 2016. That same $20 is now in, has now snowballed into my 600,000 a month budget. Same. I'm playing with the house's money. I call it. It's the money that Facebook and YouTube have made me. I just keep putting it back into the system. I like it. You talk about YouTube. I would like you to share a little bit more on that maybe give us three strategies for like those of them who are started you said it's a little bit more 
um, uh, difficult, I would say, and you need a bit more money to play with. But what roughly is the amount that we are looking at and how many times or how many types of ads do we run on YouTube? Sure. So YouTube is actually far easier. Um, so when on Facebook, uh, but it takes time to get started. So let me explain. On Facebook, if you want to do an ad, you have to have an image or a video. You have to have a headline. You have to write the description tag and you have to pick a button and there's like 19 types of ads you could run. So it's a little overwhelming. Plus, you know, what if you have a good image, but you don't write a good headline that could mess up the effectiveness of your ad on YouTube. I take my phone, I film myself quick, blah, 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 talking. I upload it. That's it. There's no headlines. There's no descriptions. There's no text. It's just the video. So I can produce very quickly. Um, only one type of ad to run on YouTube, which is called in-stream when you're starting. Don't mess around with any of the other ones. They have tons of other ones. But you want to do only the one called in-stream. What's in-stream? Basically, as people go to, you know, someone might be going to watch Janisha's video. They have no, they're not looking for Onik, right? They're going for Janisha, but all of a sudden I've decided I want to expand into Singapore. So as you're watching, you know, you're, you click on Janisha's video, I pop up I say, Hey, uh, Onik here, I'm, you know, teaching stuff in Singapore. Come click the button right now and come join me for my webinar. So that's an in-stream ad. I was in Janisha's stream. I was in that video. I, I disrupted it by putting, those are the best ones. They'll get you really good results. Um, so you want to run in-stream ads. So that, that's tip number one. Tip number two is keep it simple. Don't go out and start hiring video teams. You'll find selfies and very simple videos you can make on your phone. They work really well. Tip number three, and this is going to sound very generic, but be patient. And let me explain why. I'm going to get a little technical, but I'll explain why. YouTube, and Go YouTube is owned by Google. Google is one of the most powerful artificial intelligence systems you'll ever find the amount of data they have the amount they know about everybody it's it's scary they know right now janisha that you and i are talking they know everyone knows that <laughs> google's fully on board and understands we're talking they know all this information the thing is they've become addicted to the need for information so when you first start your ad with google start on a small budget and the first three to five days it's going to be horrendous it's going to, you're going to be paid $20 a lead, $15 a lead, $18 a lead, and you're going to panic. I call this, I call this hazing. I don't know if that concept is out there, but hazing, right? When you first start school, the older kids, they, they pick on you and they make you go through all these, you know, these, these challenges to get accepted. I feel like YouTube like bullies, hazes. You know, like bullies. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So, you know, I think YouTube bullies the new kids for a few days. I feel like they, they want to see you are you really you know do you really like me or are you just coming and teasing and you're going to run away so the first three four five days just know be patient sit back let them overcharge keep your budget very small so you're not burning a lot of money the pixel has to learn they're very pixel driven more so than facebook facebook will come out with a brand new ad and they just they can hit it even if you're a first-time advertiser they can really hit it and they can get you the right audience and good money low cost Google seems to always just come in high, but you be patient, sit it out for a few days mm. and starts to go down slowly, but it directly related to spend. So if you're only spending $20 a day, it will take more days for them to gather the data before your costs go down. Now, there's a whole wondrous land of features that YouTube ads will open up to you, but they will only do that once you've spent 50,000 US dollars. I don't know what the rules are in Asia. Um, maybe that dollar amount is less. But in the US, if you have a US account, it's $50,000 USD. And it's not like you don't make money. I mean, I was making a ton until I spent that. But then they have all these features they open up. So what I always tell people is Facebook's a little bit simpler to start with. But as soon as you start getting consistent results, don't wait. Start looking at YouTube pretty aggressively. I love that. And you mentioned that you don't need copywriting in YouTube for YouTube ads. I mean, so you need to understand the formula that I just gave you and that's it. But then what works the best is just be you, you know, literally just talk and that's it. You don't have to write headlines and description, description tags. And it's so quick to launch ads on YouTube. It's super quick on Facebook. It takes so long. You sit there and you read it, you check it, you, you know, you second guess yourself 15 times. You have to split test different things. You just don't on YouTube. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay, so let's move to the topic. Just a sub one um, on copywriting. So, you know, like you said, we're in Asia and then, you know, um, it's, it's different, different lingos. So what would you advise for business owners who are leveraging on the online platforms, but yet trying to understand how do they position their lingos for their potential customers out there? What would you, uh, would there be a, some best practices? Would there be some ways for them to have a, like an idea to, to at least get started? So let me try to understand the question, how to, how to position their voice, like how to find yeah, their how voice. to position their voices. Okay. Yep. So let me tell you, this is where I see big, 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 big mistakes happening. So someone new is starting. Okay. And, and so this could be someone in the soul rich woman um, organization. So you have someone who follows you, Janisha, and she decides I'm, I'm going to do podcasts now. I'm going to do videos. I'm going to do, I'm going to be like Janisha. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to be like her. So she's going to watch you and say, okay, Janisha, she does this. She talks like this. She moves like this. She, you know, has these key words and key phrases and she, and that's wrong. And I see it done all the time. When you try to copy someone else's voice and you try to copy their personality and it's not going to work. It's just never going to work. It never works. I have taught hundreds of thousands of students. I've never once seen it work ever. So the first thing I will tell you is when you are trying to find your voice and you are trying to pick a niche and start talking to people, don't be afraid at all to exclude people. Hmm. Straight out exclude people. I am not for this person. I, you know, so one of the things, for example, uh, when we first met, I was asking about your business and you said, oh, I have a network of Southeast Asian, is that, is that correct? Southeast yes. Asian women who are interested in, you know, fulfilling their soul and being their best. And I was like, wow, you have geographically, you have sex, you've literally eliminated 50% of the world. So you're like, <laughs> men, go away. Don't want anything to do with you. And then you took a whole region of the world. The geographically you said, all you people go away. Don't, you know, this, the, I am for, but here's what happens. The women who you do target, they're 10 times more devoted to you because they connect that it's that relatability right now for example i can't start a southeast asian woman organization <laughs> i would have no relatability there's nothing there so but but i i can start something else i could you know i'm from india i'm indian i could do something for young indian entrepreneurs and i would have carry credibility with them but then i'd have to be ready to say okay i'm this organization this voice is for young indian entrepreneurs that means you know people from Brazil are not going to engage with me. I have to be okay with that. So I actually think that when you first want to find your voice, you need to define very specifically who you're talking to. You can go wider in time, but initially get really tight. And people will say, well, mm -hmm. that's, I'm, I'm eliminating so many people. I'm like, okay, you know, a thousand people that are in your tribe. And when I say tribe, I don't just mean like thousand people click follow on your Facebook page. I mean, thousand people that are devoted to you, a thousand people who, if you put a message out and said, we're marching tomorrow, come the, the thousand that would show up to that March. That's all you need. You can be rich if you have a thousand followers that are devoted to you. So you can, you can go ahead and exclude away until you're blue in the face and you'll still have way more than a thousand people in your target market talk to them and then slowly you can start to expand your audiences out but that will help you know your voice see if i said tomorrow that uh, my target audience is young indian entrepreneurs who live in india so notice i'm getting even more specific heck i could say you know um i'm i'm from uh new delhi area right i could say young indian entrepreneurs from new delhi okay mm -hmm. young men, Indian entrepreneurs from New Delhi. I mean, I could keep going more and more specific, but there's a certain way that young men in New Delhi speak. There's a certain mm -hmm. dialect they use. There's certain words. There's certain places they hang out. There's certain types of websites they frequent. The more specific I get, the more I know who my audience is, the more I know where they are, how they talk, and that helps me develop my voice so that I can relate to that audience. But when you go too wide, then it's more difficult for you to find your voice because you're always trying to appeal to too many people. When you appeal to too many people, 
you mean much to no one. I feel like this step is even before we decide what's our headlines or sub headlines oh, yeah. and stuff that we write, isn't it? So Absolutely. what would our what would you like how would you help them to so let's say if they were to do some research, they have done their ground survey, like what I've done, I mean with my members, and bring them in and they will be thinking, Janisha, I don't speak good English. I think I don't speak good English. I know I don't I don't understand fully all the different market segments. And I mean, how do I even pen down the first sentence? You know, yeah. how, how do I even get it there to even do a sales page? So picking your audience, a lot of times people are too close to themselves to be able to figure it out, but it's always right in front of you. You don't want to get too strategic. If you get too strategic, you're not you're missing the point you're trying to chase the money and not chasing the message. And that's going to absolutely hurt. I have one client. I'll tell you about this. So she, she's an awesome woman. She's so sweet, so kind and very talented, very frustrated. So she's sitting in my office and she's like, I just can't seem to make things work. And so she was like, I really want to teach women. I want to teach women how to do, how to start their own online businesses. And in my head, originally I'm thinking, what? Seems like it's a niche. Okay, why is it not working? She's like, I don't understand. I'm just not able to, you know, I'm getting all these women on and, you know, they're, they're first-time moms and they're giving me all these issues and challenges and they're not buying and I don't understand. So I'm sitting there listening and all of a sudden we start talking. Um, she starts showing me some pictures. She was showing me pictures of her on her webinar. And I noticed one where she's in uniform. And I'm a big stickler for veterans. I always, you know, people who've served, I always try to go out of my way to thank them and so I said, oh, I, I didn't know you served. And she's like, oh, I just retired. I was in the military for like 28 years. Wow. That's incredible. She's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, tell me about that. And, oh, she starts glowing. She's like, I did this. I did that. I was in this. I was in that. And I said, well, you know, you know and then she starts as she's talking. She's like, oh, I was the I helped found the woman something, something veteran, something, something, you know, part of the association. And I could hear it. I'm like. So you seem to be, you love the military. She's like, it made me who I am. I love the military. I said, oh, and you seem to really push the idea of women in the military. Yes, absolutely. I said, great. Then why don't you teach like women veteran who've retired from the military? And she's like, but that's such a small audience. And I said, is it? Let's go find out. It wasn't a small audience. It's hundreds of thousands of people. And it was instant. It was within a matter of one month. She So all she had to do with her webinar, she'd make some changes, change some pictures, change her ads. We can actually filter for that. She took her conversions on the webinar from like 2% to 12% just with that change. So the thing is, if you are struggling to figure out who your target audience is, ask those around you. Look around you. See who you hang out the most with. I'm telling you, your target audience is right in front of you. You just... You're not looking at it because it's your everyday thing and you're trying to pick someone else's audience because you're convinced that no, 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 no. The people Janisha talks to, they're the ones that spend money. I have to go talk to them. But what you don't realize is everybody spends money. You have to talk mm -hmm. to those who will connect with you. And that's, you know, if you're um, a single, single mom, if you are a mom who just had a baby. You know, if you, I, I mean, I could come up with so many categories and niches that's, that's and start there. You don't have to stay there you start there. And then you slowly expand. I love that. And you know, all this while you have been there on webinars and copywriting and all these things, I'm just curious, what's ahead of you? What's what ahead of me? Um, what's next for you? Yeah, you know, I, it's funny you asked me this question. I just got asked this the other day, and my true answer is I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, as I, I know I should have like a five-year plan and a ten-year. I just don't. I, I'll be very honest. Here's the deal. I have, I'm 37. I've kind of made it. I, I, if you gave me 50 million dollars tomorrow, I'll just, I don't know what I'll do with it. It's not going to change my life at all. I already live in my dream home, drive my dream cars married to the dream woman, take vacations when I want, unless there's Corona, which I can't help and which no money will help as well. So um, I live my dream. I live my life the way I want. So now it, for me, it's always about new challenges. So I'm simply conquering mountains for the sake of conquering them at this point, just so that I can do it and learn something new and have a little fun. 
But that also means sometimes I just take a break. Like the next two days, Saturday, Sunday, eh, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to camp out. <laughs> I'm not going to be charging up the mountain versus like six, seven years ago, eight years ago, no breaks, nothing, charge, hustle, hustle. Now I'm like, no, I can stop, smell the roses. Um, I am very, very, right now, I'm all about empowering people and team members. So the, the, the mountain that I'm trying to conquer at this moment is how can I live the Richard Branson life? How can mm -hmm. I be the crazy idea guy? Come up with ideas, but then I can still sit on this private island and, you know, sit on a boat and not have to do the actual legwork, but I can empower amazing, brilliant people and help grow them. I've been knee deep in that. So I guess that's going to be my focus for the next two, three years. Um, and I feel like that will give me a lot more reach. If I can build a team that can do that, I can do a lot more things. So that's kind of my next big thing. And then, of course, my wife and I were always working on our nonprofit. We love our nonprofit. Unfortunately, this year, we've had to take a step back on all our projects because of coronavirus. Um, but we're looking forward in 2021 to really reinvigorating that. I always tell people, you know, one day I'm going to retire, but I'll never really, really retire. I'll just go work on the nonprofit. That'll fuel my heart. But at the moment, that's what I'm on. And you know what, Janisha, I'm going to be honest. You might talk to me next month and I'll completely change my answer. It's very possible. <laughs> this is quite funny. Okay. So, I mean, you're married, you're happily married, and you're living the life of your dreams, right? At 37. I mean, this is really impressive. And a lot of people dreamt about having your life. I mean, what would you tell them to encourage them to really keep going? Um, there's one thing that I commend myself on that I am not humble about that I will say I'm very good at is I do not compromise with my mm. life. I do not compromise. So I know what I want and I get it and I fight till I get it. I just, I mean, my podcast is called the fighting entrepreneur. There's a reason I don't stop. Um, I have a, you know, you, you, you mentioned I'm happily married. I, it took me five years to marry that woman. She, not <laughs> Um, I fought every, have you ever seen a Bollywood movie, Janisha, ever seen a Bollywood movie? You know, Bollywood movies are always, boy falls in love with girl, then someone doesn't want them to get married and people say no. And that's my life. I did that. I, I fought that fight. And I always just use that as an example. Even we have a joke today. Like I, I'll say something and my wife would be like, no, we're not going to do that. And I'll look at her and say, I married you. I didn't quit. You think I'm going to lose this argument? And she'll say, oh, fine. Okay. So I won't stop. I just don't stop. I don't compromise on that which defines who I am in my life. So my question to you is, who do you really want to be? What do you really want to be? What's your dream? You know, and don't let anybody else, nobody, nobody, not even family, not even the ones that are closest to you, define what you can and cannot do. If you are not currently living the life, if you're not currently on the journey towards your dream life, it's up to you. Change it. Fix it. Have the courage to stand up and do that. That's my biggest, that's how I achieve what I did. We haven't even talked about half of the challenges I faced getting here. I have a very, very serious health condition. I've almost died twice. I've had a surgery where they had to call my whole family in and they said 50-50 chance if he survives or not, say your goodbyes. And that was while I was running my business. I ran my business from the ICU on a BlackBerry phone. And I have, and I, and I loved every second of it. So even when I knew there's a 50% chance I will be dead tomorrow, I was sending emails to my email list. I wouldn't stop. So wow. when that kind of focus and that kind of, you know, that kind of inability to compromise, you, mm -hmm. it's a statistics game. I think people don't understand success is just statistics. It's just ratios. It's just probability. If you try hard enough, long enough, and every time you fail, fail, I put quotes, you improve a little bit more in the next attempt and you improve a little bit more. Statistically speaking, you cannot lose. You will eventually win. That's mathematics. Just do you have the courage to stick around long enough? That's the only question for me. I do. I always do. And never give up. And that's the only reason I am where I am today. Nothing else. I'm not the smartest guy or whatever. I just, I'm, you know what I am? I'm stubborn. <laughs> I I'm like that. Stubborn <laughs> as they come. I am stubborn. I'm stubborn as a rock. But I love that part about me. So stubborn, start with the letter S. Okay. So our next question will be to you, who or what is a soul rich woman? 
to me, a soul rich woman, you know, it's funny when you say soul rich woman, I actually think of my wife. So I think I can describe this person to you very much. So um, I think a soul rich woman is a woman who is very strong, very courageous. Uh, I look at her as almost as someone who's a rock because when you're full of soul, that's the greatest gift you can have. If you have soul, that means you know who you are. You are defined. You know what you stand for. You know what you're fighting for. If you have all of those things, you're going to be rich. It's just a byproduct of that. I think a soul rich woman is a woman that's very strong. I think it's a woman that know that and strength doesn't mean that they're not emotional or that, that they're not, um, you know, they can be vulnerable, but they're strong in who they are and they know what they want. So when you say soul rich, I always think of a woman who's like, that's me. That's what I'm going to get. And I'm not going to stop because I'm full of that soul. And I won't stop until I achieve that. I love what you say, where you say alone, we are strong and together we are unstoppable. I couldn't have come up with a better slogan for a soul rich woman than that. I mean, that is amazing. So when you say that, that's what I think. When you say soul rich woman, I think that I think unstoppable, relentless and kind of scary. Like I'd be scared of a soul rich woman. I wouldn't want to get in her way. You know, like that's, that's that, that kind of strength I see. And also never compromise, like what you, you said, being stubborn and focusing on the dreams that we really want. Um, for women who love the F word, being fabulous, having freedom, financial independence, and family. Anik, which one is your favorite F word? Say them again one more time. Fabulous. Fabulous, freedom, financial independence, and family. Which one is your favorite F word? Freedom. Freedom. I think that's my favorite one because I think that's what most of the world craves. We fight for freedom. And I think when you have that freedom, the rest of it you can find because you have the freedom to explore for it. So I think that's my favorite. And right now you're working on WebinarCon and it's amazing. I look at the whole project. I'm like, wow, we've got amazing guests. You know, things are running really, really fast. Can you share with us more about this thing that you're doing right now? Sure. Yeah. So um, we're doing an entire virtual event. So we talked about webinars today. We talked about how to put a webinar together, uh, how to get traffic to webinars, how to sell on a webinar. This is all what we are going to cover for three days virtually. So you can attend right from your home, nice and safe, no travel. Um, and because of that, it's also really inexpensive. So the ticket is 197 US dollars. But when you go to the website, put in my name, A-N-I-K as a coupon code, you'll get $50 off. And um, you know what? For three days, we are bringing the world's best top experts all over the world to come in and teach how to do webinars from how to write webinars, how to deliver webinars, how to get traffic to webinars, how to get people to show up, how to get people to buy, what to sell to them, how much to sell it for. Every question will be covered. We're building an entire family. It's not just a three-day event. It continues to go after that. We'll be doing networking together. Um, and so all you have to do is go to webinar con, C-O-N for convention, short for convention. So webinar con dot com com so webinarcon.com remember my name anik a-n-i-k on the last step there's a coupon code pop it in get 50 bucks off um and the event will be um at the end of this month july 31st to august 2nd everyone gets full replays i know the hours will be a little bit off for for everyone that's in southeast asia but uh if you can't make it there live you have a lifetime of replays it is honestly probably it's it's one of the best events i've ever put together a lot of work um, but I'm very, very proud of it. And I think that now more than ever, people and marketers need this information because it is changing lives every day. I just have to sneak in one more question. Sure. Just one more question. Why virtual events and you know, moving towards this and you know, how are you... Um, you know, you say it's not easy running a virtual event. There's so many things running in the, in the background, right? I mean, like, but still, why do you go into it? Because in the end, events have a major impact on people, bringing like-minded people together in one place, whether it be virtual or physical, creates energy, creates momentum, it creates a shift. And it might be a lot of work, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work. And so it's still our job to do that. WebinarCon for us was the ability to bring the world's best people in one place at one time and create that movement. And so that's what we did. Remember, I told you, I want to, I want to march and I call my people, thousand people show up to march. It's funny. We're literally 20 sales away from a thousand tickets on this. And that's kind of how I look at it. We started this movement for webinars, but we're doing a lot of other virtual events too. I love doing events. I built an entire facility, 26,000 square foot facility. That's 
five minutes up the street from me. I built it. I own it. I spent millions of dollars on it because we do love doing events. And unfortunately for now, it's closed because of what's going on in the world. But that doesn't mean that we're closed. So we will still do the best we can. And that's why we did the event. Wow, I really love that. I can feel the passion that the work that you're doing. And I really want to appreciate you for being such a great entrepreneur, really developing innovations and solutions, I would say, that really provides that platform for people to learn from, not just information, but really, I would say, step-by-step -step strategies. Like the way you describe webinars are, I feel like, wow, let's click on the button now, guys. You know, just click on the button and go search at webinar con and go sign up right now. Thank you, Anik, for being on the show today. All the links will be placed in the show notes. My name is Janisha Laura. Thank you very much and see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so honored that we are connected and I hope that I can continue to serve you as you build your dreams. And if you love this episode, and I hope that you did, rate it five stars. Give us that glowing review because it will help more women around the world finding this Soul Rich Woman podcast. Alone you are strong, together we are unstoppable. Now share this with every woman who needs it because this is how we are changing the world, one woman at a time. As always, get out of your comfort zone and go towards the dreams you've always wanted to achieve. For women who love the F word, being fabulous, having freedom and financial independence. My dear soul rich woman, sending you my love and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.